0: You may be seated. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 14 through 17. It's going to be a little interesting. I've had uh, uh, cataract surgery and recovering from it. And my, dis- my close-up is spectacular. I mean, it's unbelievable how good my close-up is. My distance, uh, the crowd in the balcony is now doubled. <laughs> I am seeing double. The other day I was driving home and I could see four headlights per car. And I said, that is strange. I wonder what's going on with their cars. It's not the cars. It's my eyes. So hopefully they'll figure something out because my brain's sure not figuring it out right now. Uh, I was going to ask you to pray for me coaching in our football game this weekend. We're in the semifinals. But I don't know if I can ask you to pray for us. We're playing Gloria Deo Academy. It means the glory of God. So if I ask you to pray for me, I'm asking you to pray against the glory of God, and I just really don't know how well that would work. So, but anyway, we're we're going down. It looks like to Austin to play a team from San Antonio, my home area. So it should be interesting. All right, let's get into this today. We're with a passage of Scripture you're very familiar with. You you know this one well. There really will be nothing that we learn new from this, but maybe a reminder to all of us of God's Word and the impact it should have on each and every one of us. Uh, In fact, you have in front of you your Bible, all that you'll ever need to be able to live life to the fullest. And I'm going to ask four questions and do my best to answer them today. I'm going to ask why the Bible, why do we use this? Because as Baptists, this has always been a very big deal to us. That's why our worship services focus around the preaching of the Word. That's why we have discipleship classes, your Sunday school classes, your small group classes. That's why we call you to devotionals and, and study in the Bible and reading and knowing. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about the question is, what's the impact? What does God's Word do to us? And then last third will be, what is your response to what God's Word does to you? And then lastly, what will be the results of God's Word within your life? Paul answers all four of those questions in this particular section in verses 14 through 17. So stand with me. I'm going to read those verses. You follow along in your Bibles as we look at God's Word as it speaks about God's Word. And here's what it says. You, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And then from childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then the verse you're probably very familiar with, all scripture is inspired by God. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Father, please help us to grasp and understand the simplicity of the passage and the impact and influence it should have on each and every one of us. Now watch over and guide us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So when I look at this and I ask the question, why in the Bible, what does it tell me within the section of the passage we're looking at? Well, if you notice in verse 15, what is it called? It's, what does Paul tell Timothy that the Bible is about? He calls it sacred writings. The word sacred was used for temple, it was used for worship, it's about reverence. And the writings is the, what these men did. They, these came from the prophets, it comes from the apostles. We have God giving us in written word everything that we need. And it's the one book that will give us the truths concerning the sacred things of God. Second thing I'd say about it simply is this in answer to the question it's a very trustworthy book. So not only is it sacred, but it's trustworthy. It is God-breathed. That's what that means, inspired by God. In verse 16, it is God-breathed. You know, I don't understand all how that works. But I know Peter said this, that no prophecy was ever made by an act of a human will. But men were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. He did that in the Old Testament. He spoke in many ways, in many diverse ways. But at the end, he has spoken to us clearly through the apostles, centered totally and completely in Christ Jesus. So this is the book you have in front of you, your Bible, is everything God needs you to know to be able to know who he is, to be able to live life, and to be ready to when you get to heaven. Peter will say later in his letters that even when he was writing, this was already in place. He says to the apostle Paul, he said, you know, Paul's hard to understand and I'm grateful for that because sometimes you get into some of Paul's epistles and you're going to struggle just a little bit to grasp everything that he's saying. Peter said he was having trouble. So I guess the fisherman had trouble with the scholar trying to figure all that he was saying. But you know what he called Paul's writings when he wrote? He called them scripture already. He already knew that they came from God through the apostles. So early on, the church knew that to pay attention to everything that was being written. And Peter said, remember the words spoken by the holy prophets and the commandments of our Lord and Savior that came by his apostles. So when we ask why the Bible, he's simply telling P- Timothy, this is God's word, it is for y'all, it is God-given, it can be trusted, and you build your life upon it. Hebrews 1.1 Says he spoke in many ways, in, the pro- in many portions, in many ways, but in the last day he's spoken through his son. This book points you and I to Jesus Christ. That is the greatest thing that it does. And the more you understand the book, the more you will know who Jesus is. In fact, as a matter fact, that's what's always amazed me about the Apostle Paul. I Said a few weeks ago, then Philippians, when he's writing the Philippian church, he's around the late 50s, early 60s when he wrote that particular book. When he wrote it, he said, "You know, he'd gotten to the point in his life to consider everything that happened in the past as garbage, and now all he wanted to do is move forward, press on, to be ready for the call of God." But he says in the middle of that, in verse 10 of chapter 3, "I just want to know Him." And I always have been fascinated by that because here's a man that's 50 and 60 who has seen the most dramatic of things unfold within his life. He has been parts of miracles that God has performed. He's seen God move through the preaching and everything else. He's seen cities turned upside down. And yet his passion and desire was to know him. That's why you and I gather on Sunday mornings. We go to our our small group classes or Sunday school, whatever you call it. That's why we have share times on during the week when you get together and talk about things. We want to know Him. It is not so that we become geniuses and Bible scholars. It would not hurt to know it as well as we can. But the whole purpose of this is so that we will come to know Him. And we do that because the Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter 2, and we studied this back last spring. We're built upon what? A foundation. What is a foundation? The prophets and the apostles. The prophets, Old Testament. The apostles, New Testament. And the cornerstone that holds that all together is Jesus. That's what we stand upon. God is building a building. The building is us. We're the living stones in that building. And when he's finished with that building, he's coming again. It's in our day, I don't know, but He is coming again. And when He does, He's going to dwell within our midst. But right now, this book in front of you, your Word of God, the Bible, is that foundation upon which you can stand. You can have no faith or no religion of any kind unless you're in this book. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the Word of Christ. And so that's why the Bible. So now it becomes, what's the impact? If I do get into this and I do pay attention to it, listen to it, how will it impact my life? Well, he says to Timothy there in verse 15, You have known the sacred writings since childhood. This is one of the good things about what we've always done as Baptists is in teaching our children God's Word. Paul's, I mean, Timothy's grandmother and mother taught him the Word of God. Since childhood, he has known the sacred writings. Lois and Eunice gave him and taught him how to have a sincere faith. And when it says in verse 15, you have known, it's perfect tense. He knew it as a kid. He knew it as a teenager. He knows it now as an adult. And he'll know it as he gets older in life. These things have been brought within him. And he fully grasps and understands that. And what does the writings do? They give him wisdom. They deal with wisdom in this. It answers some of the difficult questions of life. I can't come up with all the questions. But someone would simply be, what happens when we die? Will we go to a better place? What about what we do wrong in life? Is there justice? How good do you have to be? We only get one shot. What if we get it wrong? Maybe these are just kind of questions you don't hear asked very often, but maybe quietly at night when you're by yourself, some of these things begin to wander in your mind. Is that all there is right now, what I see within life? God's Word will give us wisdom to know that there is purpose. There is something that's going to unfold. There is something upon which to stand. There is truth. And when you have that, as a passage a minute ago that was just on the screen said you'll have freedom. There's true freedom comes when you know those things. And what wisdom does what? Well, it spells out clearly what the real issue of life is. And if I look at verse 15, it gives you wisdom that does what? That leads you to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It gives wisdom. Now, my English says wisdom that, that leads to. In the Greek, it's wisdom into salvation. The word lead is not there. It's just wisdom that goes straight into salvation. That is evident through your faith in Christ Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus, when he wrote his, book, his, his letter, gave an interesting explanation of how this works. He says, in the exercise of God's will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. You've been made alive by God's grace. He made you alive. You didn't make yourself alive. He's the one who made you alive. He does it through the preaching, the teaching, the word of God. James was very. he brought us forth by the word of truth. Peter says, you've been born again. You've been born again this way, through the living and enduring Word of God. Faith comes from hearing hearing the Word of Christ. How will they hear unless somebody speaks? It is through the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. Every one of us in here who confesses Jesus as our Lord and Savior, who holds to that deeply, we came here by God's grace... And through His Word, through men, or maybe a woman Sunday school teacher who was teaching you, but through somebody sharing the gospel, maybe your mom or dad, or maybe it was a brother or sister, or maybe it was a friend, they shared with you truths of God's Word. And there came a point in time that suddenly your eyes were open and made sense. Well, it was the Word of God that led you to that point. Yeah, we have friends who influences us, family who influences us, but it was a word that did that. My best friend is a little bit older than I am. We, we started in ministry together. He came to Lamar University during my senior year. He worked for Baptist Student Union, and we became best buds for the rest of our lives. We kept up with each other. We talked with each other on the phone. He became a pastor, later a vice president of a major university up in the Northeast, and we stayed friends. He now has dementia, and so he's really struggling now. And There was a post the other day on his Facebook page by his wife, and he had his Ranger cap on, and he was smiling because for the first time in his life, the Rangers had won, and so life, she said, was good for Ed at this point. But Ed's had a great life. But Ed is the one who, when we were in Gloria, New Mexico, I was sitting on the side of a mountain at student week, I'd only gone there to be a sponsor. I didn't go there to get any religion or any Bible or anything else. It was a free trip. I was old enough, and they wanted me to be a sponsor at the First Baptist Church of Orange. And I got up there. And I'm just sitting there enjoying the mountains of New Mexico. And Ed looked at me and said, Do you know Jesus? I said, Yeah. I, I just met him like a week before. I said, Yeah. I go to church. No, he said, and he sat there and shared the gospel with him. You know what my reaction was to my friend? I got mad. I do the church stuff. I don't need you to tell me all this stuff. The next night I was sitting there in the worship center at Glorietta. Never heard what the preacher said that day, but I was listening in my head to everything Ed had said the day before, and all he did was tell me God's word. And when it came time, they gave the invitation. I don't know why I did it, but except by the grace of God leading me down. I walked down front and said, you know what? I think I need this. And that's when I came to know Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Ed's always been one of my best friends, and I appreciate his boldness to do that. But it's not him who brought me to Christ. God used him. It was the Word of God that did that. You and I... That's what brings us. That's what continues our salvation. We need to be there. And Timothy, he says, you've known this, young man. Your mom and your grandmother, they imparted this to you. Now, son, I want you to keep moving forward. It's giving you the wisdom that that's why you're now focused in Jesus. And it has an unbelievable, powerful impact on your life. And if you look at 16, what does, it, what does it do? First of all, it's profitable. Simply means it's always to your benefit to know what's in here. The better you know this, the more profitable it is in your life. If you got a, some money, and you can invest it in such a way you're going to make more, you're going to be excited about that. I just reinvested some money I had and got 2% more, and I thought, man, that's, this is good. I saw the interest come in the other day, and I go, oh, okay, this is even better. But you know, money can disappear very quickly. Every bit I met, my brother-in-law said, taxes are due on the lake lot. I said, how much? He said, 3600 There went the prophet, so I was at least glad I had a little bit. But the Word of God is profitable always, guys. Always in your life. You want life to go well for you. You want things to work. Paul tells Timothy, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable. Profitable for what? One, to teach you. You and I are always in need of instruction. You and I never get the point that we cannot be taught. None of us fully grasp nor understand all that there is to know. And even as you come and say you're the smartest one here in the auditorium on what's in the Bible, you still need to be instructed on how to take those truths and live at the age you're now living. I have never lived at 70 until two months ago. It's a lot different than when I'm 20. It's a lot different than when I am thirty or forty. I'm dealing with things that I've never dealt with before, like double vision when I see the doubling crowd up there. You know, you deal with stuff you've never had before. God's word is there to constantly teach us. You know, my dad would say that one of his greatest lessons he ever learned was when he was in his—he was seventy-six years of age. He was five years older than my mom. My mom died at 70. 76, he is still grieving. He is still having a tough time. They had 53 years. My parents loved each other. I I, I never saw them fight ever through my life. If they did, they did it in secret because I never saw it. My dad loved her. He took care of her mom was tough on the boys but she never was tough on dad he got away with everything we were not allowed to get away with anything but they loved each other and sir trying to live by himself and there'd be times he'd just be sitting talking to me and he'd break into tears just sobbing a year later just sobbing and so one sunday i am preaching and i preach the passage I'd done it about six or seven times, but I hadn't done it since he had joined my church and moved to San Antonio after mom's death. But I'm preaching from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 13 on I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when I got to the verse 6 and said, this is a passage that impacted my life. Verse six, which says, "Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus." How I had learned probably one of the greatest lessons of my life at a time when I thought my young, my youngest son was dying. God taught me how to get peace at that particular moment, and I told the story. And my dad is sitting there in the auditorium at Village Parkway Baptist Church, off to the left just looking like you're looking at me right now i don't see anything spectacular happening but at that moment god is dealing with him and my dad when he got home that evening i didn't know this till later when my dad got home that evening he got down on his knees and said thank you lord thank you for wilma thank you for 53 years thank you for giving me the best life i could have ever asked for with her Thank you that she's with, I don't know all that he did. I'm giving some of it. I remember him telling me. He said, son, when I got up, the grief's still there, but there's now a peace. He said, you know, I thought I knew everything I needed to know. You and I need to be taught, and that's why we stay in there, because we always will be learning. We need those truths. Second thing it does, it reproves you. This is a part we don't always like, but we still need reproof. football field, I'm working with the junior high. They have a guy on their other team that is mocking our players. And there is nothing that gets under the crawl of a coach or a player on the field than the other guy mocking you and rubbing it in your face and everything else. And our kids are not handling it well, which you don't expect junior high kids to handle it well. I can't even get the varsity to handle that real well. But the kid came over and he was making a tackle, and our guy put a fake on him. We call it broke his ankles, it faked him so bad, and he went falling out of bounds. And I walked up, I was standing there, I said, great tackle, young man. I wasn't angry, I wasn't, but I kind of mocked at him. I'm the preacher, I'm 70, I'm the coach. And Coach Manziel, who is 26 years of age, leaned over me and said, coach, we don't act that way. You should know that better than anyone. So I went to him about five minutes later and said, Coach Menzel, the preacher needs to apologize for being a jerk just a minute ago. See, we need reproof ever so often. He reproved me softly. My mom never did reprove me softly. If I heard Stephen Ray Branson, life was over. Some of you know that story. But you and I need reproof in our life. Even as we get older, we still need moments that God says, stop, that's not good. Stop. That is wrong. I need you to be this direction. God's word will do that. So when you sit there and read it, you know it's there to do what? To reprove you. Third, it's there to correct you. What does that mean? To make improvement, to shift you just a little bit. You get in there and you're doing good, but you can do better. We do that with the football players. On the field, some of our guys play amazingly well, but we're always saying, you know, on this play I'd have done one more step over, I'd have turned a little more this way. We're not upset with them, we're not not reproving them, we're just making some correction so the next time around they'll see that. In our game on Friday night, a kid named Declan, one of our safeties, three times misread something badly and they had a guy standing by himself to catch a ball 20 yards downfield. Declan's one of our best players, but he was misreading something. So Monday, we're going to make some corrections. We're not going to get on to him. Kid's a great kid, good football player. But he misread something, and we're just giving him that. God's Word does that to every one of us. It continually is shifting us so that we become more and more, what? We're being made into the image of Christ. And the Word of God is there to teach. It's there to reprove when needed. It's there to correct. And then lastly, what it's there for is for training in righteousness. It's a Greek word, padilla. Talk about education, but it simply means this. Put into practice what we're learning. Put into practice what we're learning. Training to be good. Training to be what is righteous. That's what God's Word for. And your call is to this unbelievable benefit that God's giving to you is to be what Peter said. Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the Word. Those of you who have little ones, You know what that's about. When they're hungry, they're hungry. You and I should always have that kind of hunger for God's Word. Long for it, like the pure milk of the Word. So that what? That by the Word of God, that you may grow in respect to your salvation. That's how we grow. By longing to know these things. It should be a desire of your heart and my heart that we're constantly in that. I don't know about you, but I do a devotional every single morning or at least six out of seven days. I will get in there. I know this stuff fairly well. I've done this for 45 years. On some of the books, I could literally quote most of it to you. But that's not what it's about. I need daily to hear from God's Word. I need Him to speak. I need to be reminded. I need these things. I need to learn to practice it. Like I didn't do it on the football field a couple of weeks ago. I need to learn how to be careful. So I set a good example for the boys. And the Bible says, even young men, when they keep this, they keep their way pure by keeping it according to the word of God. Psalms 119. So now the question is: that's what the benefit is. What should be our response? Well, what does Paul tell Timothy in verse 14? Continue in the things you've learned. It's an imperative. There's the command. Continue in what God's taught you. That's my challenge to you today. Continue in what you know and keep learning and continue to move forward. Continue in it. And what you, you know, he had Lois. He had Eunice. He was taught early. He's known that perfect tense. It was a part of him since he was a child. And Paul's saying, stay with it, young man. Don't violate away from that. Stay with it. And then he tells him the next thing because learning is not enough verse 14 here's what we're trying to get this is our response that we we become convinced we become convinced it just means you're confident that God's word is true at first you're going to have to just trust that God's word is God's word and it'll help you but there'll come a point and you can talk to some of the seniors in this room they'll tell you they've seen God at work they've seen God faithful to his word it's where Abraham finally got with Isaac when he offers a sacrifice, when he's going to sacrifice Isaac. We learn that from Romans 4, that he finally got the point that he believed if God said it, God would do it. And you know what I find fascinating about that? How many... Well, first of all, Abraham really was going to kill his son. That really was going to happen. He brought to that point a thought. What did he tell his son as they're going up when his son said, where's the sacrifice? God will provide. So he has a conviction. This conviction is now very real. But what I find fascinating is when he raises the knife, I know from Hebrews 11 that he was going to take his life. How do I know that? Hebrews 11 said that he had figured out, he had legitimized, he had logically thought it through that if he took his son's life, God would raise him from the dead. Now, question, how many resurrections are raising from the dead? No resurrection. How many raising from the dead had there been at that point in Abraham's day? Zero. How many promises of raising some from the dead had there been given to Abraham by then? Zero. He had nothing of experience to go on but God's word. But his experience had taught him, after all these years, as a man who's now about 120 years of age, a man who, when he was in his late 70s and early 80s, didn't always get it right, who three times did not trust God at all on some situations within his life, he had gotten to the point now that he knew if God said that through this young man would come a great nation, God would fulfill that and so he in his mind knowing the truths of god's word the wisdom that it gave him he was able to be faithful to what god called him to do and just as he went to plunge a knife god never intended from take his son's life and he provided a ram at that moment for the sacrifice that's what we've got to get to in our lives that we continue to learn but we have to be convinced that this is real And, and you know there are times in my life when I was a young preacher that i go, go, okay, I know it's what it says, but I just don't know what's going to happen. But after I would walk through some very difficult times within Jan's life and my life, as we faced difficulty with, the, with, with bills that we had because we were so poor, or we faced some things with, with illness, when she had cancer, or when Jonathan's face was being crushed, through those experiences, we came to learn something that if God said it, God was going to do it. And it really did impact and change a lot of what we did for the rest of our lives. That's where you and I are to get. I still need that today. I've not gotten to the point that I can't be convinced even more, that I cannot become even stronger in all that God's called me to do. And He's going to say this Become convinced of knowing from, from you, excuse me, knowing that from whom you had learned them. I got tongue tied there. Do this, too. Look at those around you here in this church who truly walk by faith well. You, you have great respect for them. Learn from them and their example. They will demonstrate to you the reality and the conviction and confidence that God's word is real. I've always been blessed in every church I ever served to be around some of the greatest men I've ever known, whether it be Tommy Downs in Port Arthur, Richard Sims at Live Oak, Ernest Green at First Baptist Spring Lake, or Lester Klaus, along with about eight or nine others at Village Parkway during my time there. Men who I saw stand firm, stand strong, live good all the way to their last days. It was my privilege over the years to bury every one of these, to stand at the pulpit, to say the final words for each and every one of these men. People would always say afterwards, Pastor, what a great funeral you did. No, I didn't do a great funeral. I just did a funeral for a great man. Great men's funerals speak themselves. But I learned from these guys. They were mentors of mine. They, they gave me insight and wisdom, sometimes not by what they said, but how they lived. Paul is telling Timothy, you know whom you have learned this from. Follow their example. And, and Paul will say to churches, become imitators of us. Talking about some of the other guys that were with Paul. Become imitators of us. So that what we will do is walk by faith and confidence. Now, what will be the result if we do this? I love verse 17. At first I didn't quite like verse 17. But I have great appreciation for it now. So here's what it says. So that the man of God may be equipped. means fitted or complete. Adequate. What does adequate mean? Just. Good enough. Just good enough. God's Word makes each and every one of us in life just good enough. Don't believe the lies that you're not capable. Don't believe the lies that you can't get to where you need to go. Don't beat yourself up and sell them to yourself over and over, this and that. God has made you just good enough. Why just good enough? And not why superior, excellent, why just good enough? So he'll get to glory. Not you. So you'll depend upon him. But there's not anything in life that you face that you cannot stand firm. As he calls us in Ephesians 6. To firmly plant your feet upon the great truths of God's word. You will be literally just good enough. My grandson the other day, he's coming back to play in his first game, had a really good first game back after missing the entire season. was telling my daughter the other day, he said, you know, God didn't make me fast, and it's a good thing. She said, why? He said, because I'd already be in the NFL. <laughs> a little cockiness there that we may need to work on just a little bit. I understand the cockiness of a young man. We all had it. It was all part of who we are. You you get out on a football field and you listen to those boys talk to each other. You think each one of them deserved the Heisman Trophy. Just listen to them talk and all of that. It's good fun banter back and forth. But in reality, we know something. A lot of times people don't think they're good enough for anything. God, why would you make me like this? I can't do what everybody else did. You know, when I was growing up, I wanted to be the great athlete. But when you're 5'4", 120, your senior year, that's not happening. I went away to UT and came back 6'1, 190. But I, I played sports. Coaches one time told me, We used to talk about you in, in coaches' meeting. I said, You did? He said, Yeah, you weren't any good. I said, thank you. That makes me feel well. But you wanted it so bad, we wanted to pull your heart out and put in one of the big boys who didn't care as much and stuff. I wanted, you know, literally, I've said this before I want to be third base at the Houston Astros. That's my whole goal in life, to play third base with Houston. Don't boo me over that. If I'd have been there we might have done better this year (laughs) but that's what I wanted to do and I did not have the ability when I was young to be able to do that God didn't give it to me so when I began to wake up and I you can't imagine the impact it had on me the negative thoughts trying to compete with boys who are older than me i was the youngest in my class my mom thought i'd be a genius so she skipped i skipped first grade and went into second don't ever do that to a boy fail him one year and then let him finish that's what she should have done but I, I she was gonna make a genius out of me she didn't get genius and i didn't get athletic so we both missed on that one but then my brothers keith and mike one's three years younger than me one's five years younger than me. One is four times all-state tenor in the state of Texas, senior year, best tenor in Texas. My other brother went to North Texas, got a voice degree, trained Metropolitan New York Opera. Both my brothers still sing, one for the Symphony in Beaumont, at 67 years of age. My other one in Oklahoma City sings in all kinds of stuff. He's a jazz pianist, so I'm going to be a singer. It comes with our family, and nobody has ever asked me to sing to this day. I'm not a singer. And now I'm down on myself because I'm not a singer. God must have really messed up. But no, he didn't intend for me to be an athlete, nor did he intend for me to be a singer. He eventually intended me to stand in a pulpit and do my best to challenge people with the great truths of God's Word. And I am just good enough to do it. You'll be amazed at what confidence that will give you you be on the speaking program and two in front of you is, is Tony Evans. You don't want to follow Tony Evans when he's speaking. The guy is a gifted speaker beyond imagination. And I would sit there going, I'm just good enough to get up afterwards. Because the power is not in the speaking ability. The power is in what you tell, the truths of God's Word. God makes everyone in the room just good enough. And then notice the thir- last thing he gives you. equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good work. You're equipped. We were joking out there a minute ago, I was watching one of you who have a little baby now, just a couple, three weeks over, and I asked somebody standing there, I think part of the family or something, how are they doing raising the kid? And they said, the baby's still alive. (laughs) I I guess that's good. When we brought Stephanie home, you gotta realize I never held a baby in my life. I held a football, basketball, and a baseball. I never were around children didn't have time for that, who would even worry about that kind of stuff, I'm a guy, and so I never did that, and we come home, and I'm, I'm, I'm scared to death, and I get there at our little seminary, 800 square foot house, and Jan's sitting on the couch with Stephanie, and then I go another room to get some, and I'll hear something, i walk back in, and she's sobbing, she is sobbing, and I'm going, what have I done wrong, I hadn't done anything wrong, I said, what's going on, I don't know how to take care of a baby. We're sunk. Because I don't. But you know what? God made us just good enough. And he equipped us to be a mom and dad. Didn't give us a manual, which he had of. But he just said, follow my word. Do what I said. Somehow, some way, we've gotten through all those years together. Learning along the way. But here's the thing. When I ask why the Bible, it's God breathed inspired by God sacred writings pay attention why? because it's who led you to Christ it's how you came to have eternal life in the Lord Jesus and what did it do in your life? it taught you it reproved you it corrected you it's given you the ability to practice in life the great truths of the word of God and in the process you wake up one day and what? you're just good enough to be whatever he's called you to be in life and you're what else? you're equipped you're equipped You can do whatever it is that He's put in front of you, you can accomplish it. Will you be perfect at it? No, but you're equipped. Now get after it and live your life completely. Gosh, when I look at all that, I can't imagine how blessed that each and every one of us were that He's given us this and it's helped us along the way in the most dramatic of ways. One of the great ladies of our church, she was single till she was 40. Her her mom and dad, her dad was on the committee that brought me, and uh, one of our deacons, and a very godly man. Well, Laura is one of the top architects in San Antonio. She's at the top firm there. And I got a quote here that I got for her one time. We are having Wednesday night Bible study, and she said this, God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies everyone whom he calls. I have loved that ever since. I've kept that close around me. He doesn't qualify you, and then now he's going to put you in a position. You're never. Look, he doesn't look to see who the best is. He just looks to see who he wants to use, and then he gives you the ability to be able to do it. Again, God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies those who are called. So you can tackle anything that life throws at you, and we can do it well. We can help those around us. We can invest our lives in others. And I wonder sometimes if many of us are missing the great blessings of life, Because we don't feel we're capable. We don't feel we're able. But what you're doing is believing a lie. Believe the truths of God's word. And wake up to the fact that you are able to do all that he's called you to do. Father, we thank you for the day and for the privilege and honor you give us to study your word. We thank you for Paul's insights to Timothy to help the young man. Because it helps us. It reminds us again, and everyone in the room here holds to the truths that this is God's god's word we, we believe in the lord jesus christ but we need to be reminded of the of all that it's there for and why it's there to help us and the impact it can have on us so fathers we leave today may this strengthen every single one of us in a very good way to be the kind of men and women you've called us to be is my prayer this day in jesus name amen